Hello, and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr., and today we're bringing you um, a special emergency episode of the podcast, given that the Door County Board of Supervisors held a special meeting this morning to pass a resolution in support of a new public health advisory, kind of reiterating the need for people to wear masks and socially distance and limit the size of gatherings, um, and also putting a little more support behind some teeth in the enforcement of that uh, requirement, suggesting for the first time that the county board may in- urge officers to enforce the, the mask requirements and in- encourage the public health department to potentially levy fines on businesses that um, they investigate that find are not um, complying with some of the public health orders. So I had a couple of conversations with some people at the heart of this today, both uh, Door County Board Chairman Dave Lenow, who will join us in the podcast in a few moments, and Dr. Jim Heiss, the Chief Medical Officer at Door County Medical Center, who has seen all the ups and downs um, with COVID here in the county at, uh, at our own local hospital, and where they are facing the crisis that you know we first feared back in March and April. The small hospital, that relies on a regional network for the most severe cases of of any kind of um, health emergency and what they're facing and what their staff is grappling with and and what they feel like when they when they see people not complying as that they're trying to keep this community healthy and you know the fears of of the holidays coming up and people moving inside even more and having gatherings and just how much they're worried about what they might be facing in a couple of weeks if people are not smart in the days and weeks ahead. I also wanted to mention that, um, you know, in, in covering this virus and the toll it's taken over the last eight months, I've also happened to have a lot more contact with the healthcare system than I would want. Fortunately, it hasn't been to the severity of what many others have unfortunately had to deal with. But um, on the bright side, I gave birth to well, my wife gave birth to our first son in May. And that meant that, you know, we were in the hospital during uh, the COVID lockdown times without visitors kind of stuck in a room for the the course of that um, delivery. And that was different, but, you know, it's a joyous occasion and minor inconvenience in the grand scheme of things. And then also in May, my mother had a heart attack and was taken to Door County Medical Center by my father in um, Sturgeon Bay and had to be flown by helicopter to St. Vincent's. And at that time, you, you, couldn't, um, you couldn't visit, couldn't be there with her. It was a very scary time. She ended up having six stents, and she came out a couple days later. Luckily, the doctors did amazing work, and she was smiling and happy and felt no pain leaving the hospital. But those, those hours were incredibly scary for me and my family. But a lot of people have had to deal with much worse and much less happy outcomes. But now as I think about all the people who may be dealing with those same sort of emergencies right now, and I've talked to so many people over the last few weeks who have encountered the system for one reason or another, either they've, they've lost a loved one to COVID, they have lost a grandfather too soon, um, they've uh, gone through it themselves and spent five days in the ICU and gone through the fear that they may not come out the other end and and are dealing with the long-term effects of this that that they still can't shake and the the lethargy, um, just a total lack of energy and and just hoping that they're not gonna have something five, six years from now with from it. 
And I've talked to folks who've been incredibly panicked as they tried to get the same help that my mother got in May. You know, a loved one has a heart attack and they need to find a hospital bed, but all the hospitals in Green Bay are full. And they spend hours wondering if their loved one's going to make it to even get to that hospital bed. There are a lot of people dealing with that kind of situation right now. And then there's just the, the chronic conditions, COPD, um, diabetes, arthritis that can that people may be scared for a loved one or themselves. In my case, my mother recovered from the heart attack, but uh, was then in September diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. And she's, she's doing good. And uh, she's still healthy. And she's still having a lot of fun playing with the grandkids. We don't know how long she has. And a lot of people are in kind of a similar boat where they have a loved one who is um, dealing with a very severe illness that they are very scared for. And that they want every moment they can have with that person. So I just say that to say that I think we all have to be empathetic and recognize what so many people in our community, especially a community with so many elderly folks in it, um, are going through and, and the different situations that people have. And a lot of times that goes far beyond economic hardships and, and inconvenience. And, um, you know, if we can do small things that can, can help those people get through and have more of those moments with the people they care about, um, I think we need to do that. I think this county is, has shown again and again and again how many ways we step forward and help each other in pretty amazing ways in raising funds, in reaching out and lifting people up. And now we can do that just by being a little smarter right now as the holidays approach and taking those precautions um, that our healthcare providers are practically begging us to do now. You never know and you will, will never know whether you did that prevented you from spreading this virus and costing somebody some valuable moments or years of their life. But I'm sure by being smart, you, you probably are. And uh, I wanted to have uh, these two guests on today and talk about this right away because the, the holidays are coming up. Everyone's still kind of debating their Thanksgiving plans. And there's, if this helps somebody be a little safer and helps them recognize what some of the folks are going through especially those people who are doing the work at, the, at our hospitals. Hopefully we just, we, we move the needle just a little bit to getting a little bit smarter and uh, caring a little bit more for those around us. I hope you learn a little something from this and this gives you a little indication of um, what the hospital and the county are trying to do right now. And with that, I take you to our uh, conversation with Door County Board Chairman and Sister Bay Village Board President, Dave Leenow, he is going to outline for us what this new advisory means, why they felt that this was necessary, and what, if any, kind of enforcement mechanisms there are behind it. And then we'll hear from Dr. Jim Heiss um, about the situation at the hospital, how they're treating patients, what patients are going through, what their hospital is going through, and um, what he's asking uh, residents and community members to do now to help them deal with this virus at Door County Medical Center. Hi, Dave. Thanks for hopping on the podcast and, and giving us a few minutes this morning. I know you're a very busy man right now. Yes. Good morning, Miles. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, trying to stay safe like everybody else. And speaking of um, trying to stay safe, the Door County Board of Supervisors had a special meeting this morning to discuss a new public health order. Um, can you tell us what this public health order is and what it, um, why, why this special meeting now and why this resolution now? Sure. Let's start with the why first, and then we'll, then we'll talk about the what. 
Um, earlier in the week, I was contacted by um, Brian Stevens, the CEO of Door County Memorial Hospital, and he sent me a Door County Medical Center position statement on COVID-19 and what was taking place at the hospital over the last month and, and what the current situation was. And um, basically, the, our healthcare community is asking us for help and assistance to get the word back out to try and double and triple our efforts to get people to socially distance, wear masks, uh, stay home, uh, limit their gatherings, limit their gatherings, especially with the holidays coming up to just their existing uh, family group that they that they live with. Don't go to parties, don't go to gatherings, etc. Um, and I don't know if, if you listened to the board meeting at all. Uh, Brian also uh, made a statement at, at today's meeting that uh, oftentimes, it, recently, they're having to ship people or ship patients to other locations. It's taking extended periods of time. So they've been able to send a potential patient to Green Bay or the surrounding area in a matter of minutes. It's taking sometimes 8, 10, 12 hours. Hmm. Some of them are having to be shipped much farther away than Green Bay. One of the recent ones that occurred, they had to go to Frederick in Milwaukee. It was the closest bed that was available. So in Door County, um, our, our healthcare system is stretched to say the least. And of course, uh, as they stretch their capacity, it also stretches their staff. Uh, these are staff that have been working for many, many months to try and keep a handle on this. And uh, things are spreading at an explosive rate throughout their county. Sue Powers, the county health nurse this morning, uh, relayed to the county board that currently um, the county of Door has a larger uh, instance uh, and uh, incidence of COVID uh, than any of our surrounding counties. Uh, mm-hmm. We are the number one hotspot at the moment, and so our healthcare community is asking us for help. So, based on that, in the position statement that Brian had sent me, um, I initiated getting the county board together today um, to work with the county health department to issue a new health advisory to say, "Hey, let's step back, let's take another look, let's redouble our efforts uh, moving forward as we move into the colder months and, and quote the indoor months, and let's put a supporting resolution in place to support that." Um, this resolution that the county put in place, there was actually two things that occurred. The health department, Sue Powers, in her capacity, issued a health advisory, um, which is actually the first health advisory she's issued. She's issued emergency advisories, but this is the first advisory. Uh, and it was to reiterate to everybody, let's, we need to follow these protocols. We have a problem. It's engulfing and overwhelming our healthcare system. Uh, let's pull together as a community and do whatever we can to try and minimize that. Um, the county board then put a supporting resolution in place to support that and to support the um, uh, resolution that we passed back in, I believe it was uh, April or May, uh, that allowed for uh, civil penalties and forfeitures, you know, fines of 100 to $500 uh, for noncompliance uh, and potentially litigation into a court uh, if necessary uh, for people or um, uh, institutions that were not following it. Um, they haven't done that up to this point in time. For the most part, if things have been explained, if there's been a noncompliance, the health officer will speak to them, and for the most part, um, they come into compliance or do what they can uh, to alleviate the situation. But it is now a very tenuous situation in that even just a few um, spreading events can have devastating effects on on where we are with the community. I I will quote one one comment in Brian's position statement um, that he had sent me. Let me see if I can find it here quickly. Um, I don't want to take it too far. Basically, he said the community should not tolerate uh, where we are at this point in time. It, mm. It's just um, 
Our team of caregivers is doing a tremendous job of meeting the need and caring for our community. This volume of inpatients for COVID and otherwise is not sustainable for an extended period of time and should not be tolerated by our community. Hmm. So that's a call for help. That's a call for help from our healthcare providers. Yeah, those are some of the strongest statements from the healthcare community here that we've seen. Yes. And so that's that was the purpose of the meeting, the resolution, and the healthcare advisory. So so what does that mean? Does it so should businesses that maybe were a little loose, would they anticipate like potentially having some enforcement now? I know in past, like there's been reluctance upon law enforcement and others to really enforce some of these advisories and even the mandates. Is this something that mm-hmm. now puts more teeth and says like, okay, we are saying we are going to enforce this? Is that what this does? Um, what we're saying is we are reiterating that it is enforceable uh, through the civil side of things and that uh, we're asking people to redouble their efforts uh, and that uh, we as a county uh, will certainly you know, be taking a closer look at anything that we can to help alleviate the situation. Okay. What Today's resolution passed unanimously. Um, back in the spring, in the early days of this pandemic, there was a lot of debate about whether masks were needed, and uh, the board was very split on that. What do you think is different now that they are, you know, as a quick vote, not a heck of a lot of debate about it, um, to go ahead and say, Yes, we, because the hospital, it's not new for the hospital to ask for this. They supported a mask mandate months ago um, mm-hmm. and all along. So what do you think has changed with the county board of supervisors? I think the, I think the county board as a whole has seen the changes in what's happened with COVID, uh, especially in our community and in the surrounding counties. And I think the statement from uh, um, uh, Mr. Stevens as the CEO of the hospital uh, was very strong and uh, kind of captures everybody's attention. And when they look at the numbers and see what the numbers are, when you have to send patients to Milwaukee because there's nobody, there's no beds available in either Door County or in our surrounding counties, you have to go to Milwaukee. Uh, that in itself should be a wake-up call to anybody. And then to, to reiterate how it works, I've raised this question with an emergency room doctor once. Why it's why is it important to kind of look at the hospitals in a regional sense, in like a northeast region? Why don't we get Door County specific numbers? And he said it's the way we operate in how we transfer patients. If you get, he kind of said what, what you hear a lot from the medical center, we are a great hospital, we have great resources, probably better than most small rural hospitals. But mm-hmm. even for very serious things, we still rely on Green Bay as the hub of our, of our wheel. So heart attacks and car crash victims and things like that would typically be sent down there. And I think anybody who lives up here, you've probably come in contact with somebody sharing a story on Facebook or otherwise of searching for a bed for somebody who had a heart attack and how scary that right. is. And it sounds like the hospital is seeing more and more of that. Yes, yes. And even one of our county supervisors alluded to that, that her father had suffered a heart attack and it took many hours uh, in order to find a bed in Green Bay to, to transfer him to. Um, and, you know, when I think Brian made the statement today that roughly 50% of the current capacity at the hospital is with COVID patients. Um, and that they have exceeded uh, their initial isolation rooms for COVID patients. They're able to handle it. They are able to put protocols in place, uh, but they have exceeded uh, most of the last month, either at capacity or exceeded the COVID patients, and now they they're have exceeded it, uh, certainly over the last week. And uh, that's why the, the call for help. Hmm. And And it's especially urgent now because you think of with the vaccines getting approval and everything looking very good with um, the state of our attempts to get and distribute a vaccine, um, it looks like we might be close to the rounding the corner, but that's still 
probably six months away for most people if you know thinking optimistically so yeah any life we lose now right near the end is especially tragic so yeah, um, so definitely and i think with the holidays coming up and you know, the indoor period of time and everybody having the covid fatigue as they as the term has been coined um you know we're all tired of it we're all t- tired of dealing with it but as Brian said and Sue said today, the virus doesn't care what we're tired of. The virus is the virus. It's going to do what it's going to do. And it's very, it's very good at taking uh, exception to what we're not doing. Um, Dave, anything else you'd like to share uh, regarding the resolution today or any other message for county residents? Um, I, I think we covered it quite well. I guess I would just reiterate and ask people to continue. I mean, you know, for the most part, I, I continue to see good compliance. We just need to be extra careful especially around the holidays and times when we normally get together with our families and, and outside friends, uh, that this is not a good time to be doing that, unfortunately. And that at some point in time, once we get the vaccine, you know, half a year, three quarters of a year from now, hopefully things will be in a much better position and we'll be able to look back on this and, and hopefully put it behind us. But we're not in that position at the moment. All right. Thank you, Dave, for joining us today. I appreciate your, your thoughts and, and clarifications. All right. Thanks, Miles. Have a good morning. Okay, and now joining us is Dr. Jim Heiss, who has been on the podcast a, a couple of times. He's the chief medical officer at Door County Medical Center, um, has seen this virus and the ebbs and flows over the last eight months, and now the hospital is facing its its stiffest challenge yet. Uh, Dr. Heiss, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here, Miles. So, Dr. Heiss, can you just give me a, kind of a broad overview of what's the status at the hospital right now? What's the day-to-day and, and the, the, the operations on the ground there? Well, you know, we've seen a pretty dramatic uh, surge in cases, uh, not only positive cases in the community, but also uh, that translating into increased ER visits and uh, subsequent hospitalizations. You know, right now, we're, our census is doing fairly well. We are pretty full as, uh, as a hospital. It's not that we are out of space because we're not, but um, we, are, we are running um, at pretty close to capacity. And we have had some days where we've had as many as almost 50% of our patients in the hospital with COVID-19. We currently have uh, five patients in the hospital as of today with COVID-19 and the rest with general medical problems. So, you know, our big challenge with all this is we want to make sure that not only can we take care of COVID uh, patients, patients that require hospitalization for that, but also people with their other routine medical problems. We have people that show up with you know, a lot of other issues. And, and uh, the big concern is, you know, even if you're one who does, who says that they're not concerned about COVID, well, you may be concerned if you end up with chest pain and need to be admitted to the hospital mm-hmm. and you have a hard time finding space, both in our hospital or if you have to go to Green Bay, uh, they're pretty full down there as well. So that that's the risk. And this, you know, a lot of people kind of discarded it as maybe fear-mongering for the first six, seven months of this case in Door County. But really what, what you told me and what others told me very early on in this was is, is kind of what we're facing now is that it's as long as we can keep this tamped down, we can do things somewhat normal. But if it does get, it doesn't take a lot for it to get to a point where it does impact what you guys are able to do at the hospital and and what the public can expect out of their healthcare, right? If you have limited staff and limited resources, you're affected by what happens in Green Bay, and then you have to start cutting back on services elsewhere in an, in a community with a lot of elderly folks. That's right. That's right. In fact, we actually have had, you know, they're dramatic examples, but nonetheless, they exist 
in the last within the last two weeks. We had one person that had to be transferred to Gunderson Lutheran in La Crosse and one person that was transferred to Watertown Hospital down in Watertown um, because there were simply no beds available in Green Bay, in the Fox Valley, anywhere uh, remotely uh, close to those. So I, I know it sounds dramatic, but that's that's as bad as it can get. And again, describing why that happens, it's it's not that you don't have beds in, in Door County Medical Center. It's that the level of care those patients needed, they needed to be transferred out to a different type of facility, correct? That's absolutely correct. So mm-hmm. if, someone, if someone is having a heart attack and requires a cardiac catheterization to try and open up a, a coronary vessel or have a stent place, we, are, we don't do that in our facility. And so we have to find uh, a close facility that does do that. And in, in almost all cases, pre-COVID, that was in Green Bay. Uh, but we've had issues where there's simply no room there, even for those. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking of this earlier today as as the county board was deliberating this and, and talked about some of those stories. My own mother had a heart attack in May and yes. was simply transferred to St. Vincent's Hospital by helicopter. Very scary thing right. for any family, family to go to, go through. Luckily, my mother came out of that um, healthy and we were able to pick her up a couple of days later. Um, but in that instance, you know, they had the ability to care for her. There wasn't any delay. There wasn't hours of looking for a bed. And since the hospitals were not overwhelmed in Green Bay, we were able to call nurses there and they could kind of walk us through things and talk to my mom and we could be on the phone with my mom while we couldn't be in the hospital, which gave the family a lot of comfort and gave her comfort. Um, now with, with staff stretched, you know, those, Somebody going through that same situation now might not have that that same experience. And I, I think of how scary that was in a much easier time. It's got to be really frightening now for families as they grapple with, you know, where's my loved one going to be cared for? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm first of all, I'm so glad to hear your mom's doing well. But I, I will say that's, you know, if anything keeps me up at night, it's that it's that situation, you know, where you have someone that, um, you know, obviously we go into this field because we want to do what's best for people and we want to help them out and get them through the worst times of their lives. And, and if, if the, the logistical reality is, is making that much more difficult, that's what keeps me awake. So we really, you know, we really do uh, continue to, to do our best to try and get the message out that people need to take this very seriously and, uh, and continue to do those things that are important, like wearing a mask when you're in public, keeping six feet apart, um, avoiding crowded spaces or avoiding crowds, period, or certainly uh, uh, people indoors that are not part of your family. You know, being very careful that these, you know, this is this is what's going to make or break how well we're able to get through this. I'd imagine with the hospital now coming out with some of its strong, most strongly worded messages for the public, um, basically saying like Door County, we we can't stand for this. We can't we can't say that it's okay that our hospital is this overwhelmed or, or and I don't want to term you as overwhelmed if, if it's not the case, but like under the burden that you are. Um, so is, I'd imagine the internal discussions are a lot of probably fear about, okay, we have these holidays coming up. We we're getting a, a surge of patients now. Like if we can somehow not <laughs> exacerbate this problem in the next month or so, um, I'd, I'd imagine that's kind of the, the fear that you guys are going through. Oh yeah. I mean, that that's my big concern is that two weeks after Thanksgiving, we're going to have a huge uptick once again, you know, and, you know, and I, I, you know, I'm a pretty straightforward, you know, straight shooting kind of a guy. And so I will tell you that I, you know, when I do things like this podcast or some of the radio things that I do, you know, what I don't want to do is scare people because there's no utility in that. And I don't see a huge reason to be uh, frightened 
But at the same time, you know, I think the reality is, yeah, I mean, we are really stretched thin and, you know, we're going to do our absolute best to take the best care of people that we can. But, you know, reality does intrude at times. And sometimes if we're just so taxed, you may not get the same level of care that you otherwise would. And it happens as a direct result of just not being able to, under, you know, to handle the surge because people are just not choosing to behave in a way that uh, benefits the whole community. Um, do you have any sense of the, the patients that are contracting it now? Um, do you have a sense of what that's coming from? Is there a, a primary um, place that your most of your patients are, are getting? Is it bars and restaurants? Is it home? Is it big gatherings? Any idea? You know, I think it, what we've seen more than anything is is uh, at least uh, at least several weeks back, we were seeing the results of large gatherings. People were having weddings, family reunions, even unfortunately funerals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it wasn't that everything people were doing was all fun and games, but nonetheless, any place where any time when you're together in groups, um, and in many cases like weddings related, people didn't want to have masks on for their for their photos, and so that's when we were seeing spreader events that were taking place. Mm. Now, obviously, things like getting together uh, at, at bars and, and restaurants where everyone is sort of packed in, that's, that's always a recipe for disaster. And unfortunately, we're seeing, you know, it's not surprising to see that there are folks in our community where you go into restaurants or, or, or bars and people just aren't wearing masks, nor are the, uh, nor are the owners of the business. Mm. So, I think this is something where people just need to to wake up and take this very seriously. How is that? Um, I, I guess like how is this the staff and and the officials at the hospital when you go out and see that? I guess how do you feel about that, knowing what you guys are dealing with in the in the walls of that building? Well, I mean, I guess frankly, it it really ticks me off. I mean, when I when I see that personally, um, it it I you know I just know what what uh, my colleagues and, and, you know, I, I kind of think of, I mean, I spend so much time with people at the hospital, they're my extended family and I, I see what it's doing to my family and it really is upsetting to me, you know, and I understand that, that people don't necessarily walk in the shoes that I walk and they may not see this as being as big of a deal. Uh, unfortunately though, there are people that are just choosing to disbelieve what we tell them. And I, I've been saying from the beginning of this that I have, I have only one agenda in this at all. My agenda is um, to get get us past this as safely as we can. You know, I'm not a person that generally um, likes things like, you know, government-imposed, you know, mask mandates or things like that. I'm not a fan of that. I'm just not. But when it comes to this, we have to think what's, what's in the best interest of our community. And I think that's unfortunately where we're headed. And right now, seeing this surge, right as we're getting news of, of vaccines on the way, um, it would be particularly tragic to have a huge upswing knowing that like, okay, we only have a, you know, maybe a few more months that we really have to take the hardest steps. Right. I mean, light at the end, we were seeing a light at the end of the tunnel for, for certain. I'm really enthused about uh, the news of the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines. I mean, 90 to 95% uh, effectiveness is just flat, flatly amazing. I mean, you know, the average, uh, efficacy of the flu shot on an, a- on an annual basis is between 40 and 60%. So the fact that we're talking 90% in the 30,000 people phase three trials is really, really stunning. And what we're waiting for right now is the safety, the safety uh, trials to complete. And once those are done, that's when Pfizer will um, uh, go for their emergency use authorization, which I think they're actually doing today. But uh, um, that's so, so really, you know, if we can just 
get through this, like you said, for the next, I think we're still looking at the first half of 21 as far as having to, to uh, wear masks and things like that. But, you know, the end, the end is in sight. It's just a matter of getting us from here to tomorrow, essentially. Can you describe the patients that you're seeing now, um, the, the ones who are hospitalized, what is it like for them? Like, what is the, how sick are they? What are they suffering from? What is their experience looking like? And, and particularly those who, who don't make it. Well, this is, this is a scary situation because, you know, what I'm hearing from people is, you know, they, they have a real hard time breathing and it's, you know, there's nothing scarier uh, than not being able to catch your breath. And so sometimes even with oxygen and even with, um, you know, different non-invasive ventilatory techniques, people still are very short of breath. Um, people get confused as a result of COVID, especially if they're older and they have other medical problems. It's scary because their family isn't with them. I mean, they, they literally are alone. There are no visitors in the COVID unit. Um, the only time that visitors are allowed is when a patient, unfortunately, is dying. And we do our best to try and allow family in to say their goodbyes. But otherwise, you know, it, it's it's a scary situation. So thankfully, we've, we've uh, you know, seen some reasonable, you know, reasonable cases where people are treated and they're able to be discharged. But unfortunately, we continue to see deaths. Uh, both here and in Brown County. Um, do any sense of the the age of those who are being hospitalized? Um, what's kind of the the ballpark for that? Is it mostly people in a certain age? Is it at a wide variety? It's it's a variety, but I would say you know my my gestalt on it is it's probably people in their seventies, uh, seventies, okay. early eighties. Okay. Um, anything else you you'd want to impress upon people listening to the podcast right now? You know, I guess I would I would just you know, say that as, as hard as it is, we all want to be with our families for Thanksgiving. Um, uh, I know I, I certainly do. I have parents who are both 81 years old and would love to see them. But I think, you know, I think this is a this is a year that if we can just stay home and enjoy Thanksgiving with our immediate family, people with whom we live, um, uh, I think that's the best plan of action. If you feel as though you must get together with, with family, then please, please do it smartly. And by smartly, I mean try and stay six feet away from everybody. Wear a mask the entire time. Um, you know, if you could somehow get away with seeing your relatives and maybe not sharing a meal because, you know, have taking the mask off to eat is when this can happen. And the infectivity is very high for this virus. And so as hard as it is, and I know it's a, it's a tough ask, I think that would, you know, I have a colleague of mine, Dr. Bernard, who takes care of many of our COVID patients has, has been quoted as saying, don't let Thanksgiving dinner be the last supper for your grandparents or your mother. You know, and I think that's so true. So, so just really, you know, uh, appeal to people's uh, best interests and want to be able to enjoy Thanksgiving again next year and the year after and the year after. Well, Dr. Heiss, thank you for everything that you and your staff are doing down at Door County Medical Center um, and and for also doing things like this that uh, um, maybe never again after we get through COVID and probably never before have you had to do so many um, interviews and, and media hits and, and public uh, sessions on Facebook, on radio, uh, on podcasts like this. Um, but we do appreciate that transparency and that willingness to to give people updates on what's going on at the hospital and what your staff is dealing with. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. All right. Thanks, Jim. I, I do appreciate it. And uh, I'll let you, you go with that. Thanks for taking the time today. Sounds good. You bet. My pleasure. Take care, Miles. You too. Bye.